0: ah still patience um.
1: mm.
0: Oh jerk feel mm. the sky You could feel the sky when you were far away because you could hear it go oh, 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 you know the squawking way off in the distance.
2: Side A. Jay Krentz. Are we there yet? Testing, testing.
3: One two three. Hello, Jenny. I'm making you a type of and Now. What? There's breaks in the earth where you could fall in go hundred feet. Wow.
1: The space between things. We don't really consider. We think it's nothing but it's kind of everything.
3: This is every note on my violin. We don't know what's in that coal mine up there. If it gets enough pressure, it'll come out somewhere. You don't see nothing there that reminds you of where you're at. So we're going up a road and I look at the hill, I'm trying to recognize the woods, because I know the woods like the back of my hand. I, I know a tree when I see it.
2: You've spoken a few times about a landscape that you visit.
0: Mm-hmm. Would you like me to talk about that landscape? Yeah,
1: well,
2: I mean, how would you describe it?
0: its place in your
1: world, is it haunting? No. Yes, yep, yep, hello.
0: The place that I revisit and have repeatedly over the years is not at all like that. It's more of a feeling of coming home, of knowing somewhere really well. So is it
2: always a hill in the house?
1: Yep, every time it's, it's always a house on the hill with the ocean below.
0: It always begins with a view of the mountain peaks in the distance, and I can see it in its totality. I always start my journey on foot.
1: I'll be walking up onto the land, I can see the trees, I can hear the sound, and I suddenly remember that I have this really beautiful place and I'd kind of walked over a fence and realised, oh my God, my place is near here. And I just get so excited. This rush comes through me and I run up the hill and, and discover the house. It's just a matter of walking around in the woods and come yeah. on it. Yeah, come on it.
0: If I did see them, the mountains, I'd know them. Instantly,
3: the, the mountains, the land, the, I don't know, they're just, it's home. I've played in these mountains. Now we can't get in them.
1: I was walking through the house, these beautiful spaces, going up the stairs, and it was like my home. And this incredible happiness came over me.
0: Very rocky and there's snow, winding paths and it's wild. It's uninhabited. There's never any people there.
3: And you can look uh-huh. to your right. That's where that old path starts. That old footpath and it goes on to Bradley Mountain.
0: Now where did that footpath
3: did it go beyond Bradley Mountain or what would it they...
0: I don't think I'd do much there, I sort of just wander around feeling good. <laughs> Looking at the view and feeling at home somehow. Yeah.
2: When did you get a sense that we were going to the same place?
1: You couldn't get down that map.
3: They places that deep you can look straight down in
0: there. And have the cavings been recent or
1: Oh no, not recent. I've been going to this place for at least 30 years. It's just one of those reoccurring numbers that, that doesn't seem to shake.
3: The mountain broke and there's places that there's wide enough for a car to go down in. It's so deep in there, the crack is so deep that the steam comes up out. What would happen if you found them? So there's the mines. OK, you can go on this way.
0: mm mm-hmm.
3: You can go on this way through uh-huh. here. And you can go to Bradley Mountain.
0: Aha. Uh-huh. I can hear my feet crunching on the snow. I can touch rocks, climb rocks. The children would manage to get there. I don't know how. I, I remember them wading through that snow. But I'm never cold. <laughs>
3: OK, I'm just playing some nice piano music, starting
1: next. It's got such a big view. My eyes are not used to having such a big view. And grandma used to step out on the porch and look
3: upon the mountain in the summertime. Uh-huh. And she'd say, uh, it's going to rain. The belly of the lind trees are turning to the wind.
0: I'm not striving for anything, so I'm not walking to any particular place. I just am there. It represents that reprieve from the world in wanting for nothing. You're neither know, hot nor cold nor thirsty or hungry. There's something total about that experience that it's none of those volatile emotions. It's calm actually. An internal sense. Before I get there, I'm excited, and remembering it in a way.
1: I don't know why I forget this place, but every time, without fail, it's like, I can't believe I forgot it. And all of the joy and the memory and the beauty and the power of that place comes back to me like it's happening for the first time. So I don't decide to go there, I'll just stumble across it. I did this, but I'm looking, I'm trying to recognize where I'm at.
3: I got up after a while and I looked out the window, out the back, looking at the hills and I
1: looked down. Uh Uh-huh. It has that impact in a way. If I find this house, it's like a relief. It's like I found something that's very important to me, Like, like a child, like something you love or something you love. Like something you love or something you love.
3: Today we are going to look at our new house.
0: Cause we got a new um, house. Cause we got a new... Don't. do not doing anything. It's more like it's the absence of danger. It's the absence of propulsion. It's the absence of violent changes in weather or emotion rather than, say, from something.
3: 500 feet down you can throw a rock in there and hear it hit the bottom it's so far down it's a dangerous place
0: when i was young i never had anywhere safe well home wasn't safe that i feel like it's a protective place this immovable edifice that my psyche has built for me to take refuge in even though I rationally know they don't exist, they feel so real to me that if I close my eyes and took a pencil, I could contour draw them or something.
3: I go outside, I look at the bank. I said, I know where I'm at. If I'm right, i know what to look for. I said, I got to look for a cinder block building. I turned my head and there it was. I said, now this is slick rock for you. I looked and there was the big oak tree.
2: Do you want to find them?
0: No, I've got them. They're just inside me, and if I need them, I can conjure them up. If I picture them, I sort of feel calmer. So on the one hand, I can get a glimpse of the feeling, but I can't grasp it. I can't will myself there, which is a bit irritating. It's a bit like life, right?
3: (laughs) We don't never know when that'll happen.
1: there's a little thing in me that thinks maybe one day I might find this place.
0: And this mountain is, I'm not alone. I can always go there. It'll always be there.
3: don't Yeah.
0: And now, a short word from the artist.
2: This is a quote from journalist Heather Evans, reflecting on a field recording the Constellations gave me as a prompt for this piece. It was so haunting and so beautiful. So
0: beautiful. It felt um, like a moment that I was going to treasure for a long time, and I'm not sure why and and it seemed to be characterized by this quality of sound I was hoping I was able to capture on tape it's 27 years ago or something and it's by listening to the sound it's just as clear as the the day, day it happened are we there yet is a strange recurring
2: road trip towards home a home we can never really find or retrieve while at the same time being a home we've already found, the one that's already ours. A circular road map for finding our way there. We hear the same driving tape over and over, but we move through different landscapes, across vast spans of time and place, in a dreamscape where the laws of separation and structure, boundary and contour, don't apply. When Heather speaks of the landscape she captured on tape in 1992, It's as if that place still lives in her. This made me think about our own private landscapes, as opposed to those external geographies we share with others. There are places we carry inside us, haunted and haunting, those that once were and are no longer, but whose maps we still clutch, and those we imagine, the ones no one else can glimpse, but that we live alongside, often intimately, all our lives. There's bleed between our experience of external landscapes and interior states. They resemble one another. We borrow from one to furnish the other. We're instructed by both. And so in this piece, imagine geographies of homes sit alongside their physical counterparts. Sometimes these physical places are treacherous, unpredictable. These are the landscapes of mine shafts and coal seams, ground plundered and sundered that could split apart at any moment. These sit in sharp contrast to the immutable, forever safe places we build ourselves, the impeccable, unswerving, untouched ideals of our imaginings. I drew on four different sources of material. One is Heather's source tape, the field recording of trumpeter swans she made on the frozen lake in British Columbia on her way to do a story on a smelter nearby. The other three sources are sets of conversations, questions and answers laid around each other like the winding paths up the mountain mentioned in one interview. One of these is archival family cassette tape from the mid-'90s where my sister asks her daughters questions for a tape they're making for me while I'm living away. It's full of my niece's evocations of home and songs performed on scratchy, open strings. I used two interviews I recorded for this project. These are with people who have a strong relationship to specific landscapes of their imagination. And the third source material I drew from are recordings made by an ethnographer who was recording around the same time Heather recorded her swans. I chose these not just because they describe simultaneous landscapes captured at the same time on the same format, cassette, but because they're also recordings of people speaking about landscapes they literally inhabit. They're their landscapes of home. They're also lands altered by mining in and around the central Appalachian coal fields of Coal River, West Virginia, in the early to mid-90s. We look out over these blighted landscapes as the inhabitants point out the paths and crags, hollows and seams, and reveal their connection to and deep knowledge of their homes. Are We There Yet is full of notes of nostalgia, a sense of something that's both lost and beyond the reach of loss, both time-worn and outside the reach of time. Voices grapple to describe what's sometimes beyond the reach of language. I don't know, someone says. It's just home. Only we can know when we're there. My thanks to my nieces, Amira and Donita, the Library of Congress, Mary Hufford, Garth Davis, Angeliki and Geliki Androutsopoulos. Feed your ears.